0: It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future.
1: Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. Once again, I'm Aaron Dignan, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hey, friends. This is the ninth, yes, ninth episode in our Ready for Anything series on finding a better way of working through pandemics. Uh, On today's episode, we're going to talk about meetings. Never heard of them. Nope. Um, (laughs) And uh, we've talked about meetings on the show before. So we're going to dig into kind of what's going on with them now in this moment and uh, go a little bit deeper. But before we do that, we should do the first part of every meeting, which is the check-in round.
1: Yeah. And everybody just like grok this now so we don't have to talk about it later. We always do a check around. Why do we do them? <laughs> because equal share of voice, getting present, turn taking, getting to know each other, establishing trust and empathy. Okay. So.
0: Wow. Sounds like you've done that before.
1: Never. That was my first time. How'd I do? Um, the check in question for today is how do you make small or unimportant choices? Like when you're in the toothbrush aisle, how do you pick?
0: So slowly. So, so <laughs> deliberately. It's a problem. It's a problem in my marriage. Like, like I will... I will sit there for 20 or 30 minutes if left to my own devices, if it's the right hour of the day and just look at like, well, how many bristles does this one have? And do I want medium or soft? And I'm like, I'm trying to create like some grand theory or equation of like what the perfect toothbrush is. And then I'm very picky about aesthetics, as you know, it's like, you know, all the things I've done at work to try to like put my monsters away and be a reasonable colleague Uh and be, you know, part of a self-managing system and not be a control freak it all comes out in the toothbrush aisle like that's where somewhere. I can be a megalomaniac <laughs> yeah so that's my answer it's just like too long but I do and I believe this wholeheartedly I do end up with the best one
1: I don't know that you do but I'm glad you feel like you do that's... <laughs> not only do
0: I end up with the best one but I could <laughs> convince you that it's the best one and a week later you'd be like oh, I'm sorry you're right
1: you could and you do routinely. You're like, here's the thing that's better than your thing. And I'm like, is that true? And you're like, yes, it is. And then I use it. And I'm like, eh, that's right.
0: It's because I've done tons of emotional labor.
1: Yeah. Our dynamic is you me. recommend things to me that I don't care about. And then you're right. <laughs> it's great. Um, anyway, so, that's my answer. So that's your check around. Also, no crosstalk during check in. We're being terrible. Sorry models right now
0: because we have high trust
1: high trust uh right i don't have to worry that you're gonna be like now you don't get to answer because we have things (laughs) to do um which is actually why we don't allow crosstalk so my answer to this unsurprisingly is the opposite of yours which is it either goes one of two ways for me either i am completely intuitive about it and i'm like this Mm. one speaks to me and then i don't read the packaging or do any comparison it of just any kind, sparkles for you I'm just like, Ooh, that. this looks good. Like in the last episode re- that we recorded where my husband does not appreciate my intuitive grocery shopping. Cause he's just like, these things don't make <laughs> meals. And I'm like, I know, but did you see the packaging on that coconut oil? You know, there's a lot of that for me. And then the flip side of that is where I think that picking something, the act of picking it is fun. And like I really enjoy the process. Mm. And, um, you know, like if I'm picking like soap, it's like right. I really enjoy smelling all of the, all soaps the soaps in the aisle. And that has nothing to do with the best soap uh, or comparing. The- I'm just like, this is fun right now. It's a for leisure me.
0: activity. <laughs> yeah. It's just like
1: I'm on a sensory journey. And, uh, you know, Ed is like at the same time actually getting all of the staples we need to survive as a family, but I'm going to just like huff all the soap until I'm told it's time to pick one and we have to go.
0: That's too perfect.
1: Yeah. I think that sounds, that about sums up, you know, how we both navigate this world.
0: (laughs) So y'all can choose who you want to go shopping (laughs) with. Um, today's topic is meetings and I want to start by asking you, um, what is going on with meetings during Corona Apocalypse? Like what's different? What's up with meetings out there?
1: So, spoiler alert, they weren't great before and they haven't gotten a lot better <laughs> since we all went home. <laughs> so, uh look, we know that meetings are like one of the most obvious trappings of bureaucracy. They're like the gin blossoms of bureaucracy our <laughs> meetings. And uh, that is for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, we talk a lot more in depth about that on the meetings episode that we did a while back. But uh, when we do tension sorting in companies, particularly early on, one of the top tensions is always we have too many meetings. Mm-hmm. And now that we've all left the building and we've all discovered the webcams that came with our laptops for the first time ever, we're like, oh, now here's a whole new way to surveil one another. And make sure that people are working and make sure we're like relating and connecting. And we'll just like all stare into the screen all day. Um, and so there are ways in which I've seen meetings serve teams really, really well because they already had good hygiene around them and that translated very elegantly. And then there's a lot of recreation of the worst aspects of meeting culture now virtually which actually comes with like a host of new and irritating problems so uh let's just we'll dive right into all of that
0: start there it is weird to me that it does seem like uh there are new frictions and newly greased you know phenomenon where like it's actually it's a lot harder to like round up folks and just start a meeting ad hoc Mm. which you can kind of do if you're like hey everybody let's we're gonna meet in the conference room you can kind of just move everybody in there um at, at the workplace here it's like you do have to schedule it it's got to go on the calendar or a link has to be shared but it's also really low friction to just like start a zoom meeting and share yes. a link in the chat and so i can't decide if if that serendipitous meeting creation is happening more or less but my suspicion is it might be break even for mm-hmm. that reason i'm not sure um and and it's harder you know if somebody doesn't show up it's harder to track them down right like where's phil Um, so, so I think that's, I think that's a problem and it does feel like we're, we're shifting into a lot of meetings that right now happening kind of more in the surveillance category, like Mm -hmm. just have a meeting to know that we're working, have a meeting to know that we're all present, Mm -hmm. um, which is not a great reason to have a meeting ever, but certainly not now, uh, versus like having very specialized meetings. And I've always said, you know, doing all the stuff we talk about in person is already hard enough doing it remotely is varsity. And so it is weird that we're now suddenly all playing like varsity or like college ball. And we're just not all at that level. (laughs) Like it's like totally kindergarten soccer in the World Cup.
1: Yeah. I just thought of this while you were talking. So it might be like utter nonsense because it's late in the day. But I do feel like Where we're in the office and we're like in this more structured environment. Like we're in a physically structured environment and we have specific rooms that we go to where the meetings happen and like they're at the same time every week. And there's there's a sort of like like monolithic nature of meetings Mm -hmm. and meeting rhythm when we're all working in the office together. And like we shouldn't just port that over into video land. Because like all of the other trappings that sort of make that feel... Um, like cognitively aligned somehow or make that feel necessary. That stuff is all gone and now we're like, you know, in our pajamas and just on video and just like working random hours and doing all of these things to survive. So we shouldn't be like Monday morning at eight o'clock, we're like in suits for an hour doing because it just it doesn't like match anymore. I totally the way agree that we're I totally being. agree.
0: And a lot of what I've read about, you know, how we navigate complexity and how we build culture, is about those social conditions and those norms and those rituals. And like, we're, we are still very physical beings. And the idea of like having a room, having a temple, having a place that we go at a certain time, and like all the smells and sights and sounds that go along with that, that's real stuff. And mm-hmm. I do agree. I don't think you can just like snap fingers and be like, now we all go to church in Zoom and it feels right. the same, doesn't it? It's like, right. no, no way does it feel the same. No way does it have the same connections because. Pathways in your brain are literally triggered by your surroundings, by the things you do, the habits, the practices, like, you know, you're not, you're not uh, a surgeon unless you wash your hands. Mm -hmm. You're just not. And and real cognitive, like neuroscience proves that out. Mm -hmm. Like you're not in that state of identity. So I love that. I think that's critically important. And weirdly, I don't think a lot of us know what identity we're in. Because we're flipping back and forth so much. And it's like, I'm in the kitchen making lunch, and I'm hanging with my kid, and then I'm on a Zoom meeting. Who am I? Am I dad? Am I partner?
1: (laughs) Are Are you a podcast host in a closet? Who can say?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. like Well, actually, it's funny you say that. This is the one place where I do feel like I have an isolated identity in the house right now mm-hmm. where when I come into this closet and I wish you could see it folks because it is glamorous but if I when I come into this closet full of filing cabinets and <laughs> notebooks um and a, and a sheet hung on the wall to dampen the sound um I, I I'm only a podcaster in here mm-hmm. and so that is that is a nice like kind of liminal walkthrough kind of thing
1: I'm glad you're not trying to like teach Hux in there yeah. And so along that line, you know, a lot of the meeting practices that are the least useful that we see in traditional organizations are overly formal and they're overly theatrical and they're about presenting information oh. to each other and sort of like, you know, decks that took hundreds of hours to create. And, and so doing that level of formality now from closets is really, really weird. And one of the things that I'm noticing is very useful in the client organizations that I am working in is like, I'm teaching them where they didn't already how to really do work in a meeting and that it's okay for us to be in a shared document and on a zoom call working on something together.
0: Just jamming. Yeah. Like
1: we don't all have to like, we don't all have to do it separately and then bring it together and then do V2. Like it's a perfectly reasonable use of time to say on Wednesday at 11, we have a workflow to create. So we are going to get into a Miro board and do that work. And it is a flip that I think people find a little bit difficult, but For example, I taught a community of practice integrative decision making today, which is a process Uh that comes from holacracy that we use a lot. And what resoundingly they noticed as they were learning that process is how good it feels to go from a blank sheet of paper to something that is done and decided during the course of a meeting. And even though there were some awkward moments where the proposer was like, uh, do I, can I just like write quietly for a minute now? And the people who were helping were like, well, what do we do now? Like, sure, there's some dead air, but most meetings are mostly a waste of time. So, like, don't yeah. worry about the 90 seconds where there's <laughs> quiet because somebody has to get thought in writing, you know? Yeah, we'll and all be okay. We'll all be okay. But I, to me, it's like because we're sort of atomizing our, jobs right now into all of the pieces of work that need to be done. I'm really interested in orienting meetings around getting that work done.
0: I think that's great because we need some social support right now for focus and for motivation and for productivity. And the idea that you know, I'm going to, and I tell myself this story all the time and it's such bullshit. I'm like, I'm going to go squirrel myself away no, you're not. and write the next chapter not of right this now. book or the next part of this training course or whatever. And the answer is like, no, I'm not. Because when I'm not on a call, when I'm not in a meeting, I'm going to find something to get distracted by, or someone's going to walk into the office and be like, Hey hun, we need a thing. Or what about this? Or what about that? There's going to be something that pulls you away. And so the idea that we can actually just literally be there for and with each other, and, and be like, well, I've got a buddy. I've got a work buddy. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw, I don't know if you've seen this, but I saw it just got launched maybe in the last few weeks as a, re- as a reaction to this pandemic. But there's essentially a um, chat roulette for freelance collaborators mm. where it basically is just like someone to work with,
1: mm-hmm. an accountability
0: buddy. That's smart. Where you just like get on a video chat and you basically say, you're writing a chapter, I'm writing a proposal, and we're going to check in with each other every 15 minutes and we're going to get it done together. And people are literally doing
1: that. That's so smart. That's so smart. And like for whether you're in that situation or you are on a team or you are like I am in a duo about to be a trio. uh, I also think it's okay to like give yourself permission to do that. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I had a meeting scheduled with Allie this morning and it was to work on a thing. And I did exactly the same thing that you just said. I was like, you know, last night, full day of meetings, exhausting day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like write out for her everything I already know about this and all my thoughts about it and sort of create something so that she has a starting place because she hasn't been in the discussions that have led to the need for this thing. And like, of course I didn't because it was seven o'clock and I wanted a glass of wine. no. And there was no way I had any juice left for that. And then I I still didn't do it this morning because I got into meetings and like, we got onto the call. It took me 30 seconds to explain what the thing was. <laughs> and then I was just like, how should we do this? Should we start in a board? Should we start in cards? Should we start in what? And she was just like, let's just start by writing down all of the stuff that we think about this and then get it organized. And we got so far in an hour. And so... I think particularly right now with the level of distraction and cognitive load that we all have, it's okay to do work in meetings. It's okay to ask your team members to be a little bit patient if you don't actually come with the thing produced that you intended to. And I think it's okay to like use that time to just jam.
0: And be terrible together. Like the thing I've recognized is it's so much better if we both just dump a bunch of our terribly written thoughts in a document Mm -hmm. and then do a refinement later than it is to say, first we'll write our perfect thoughts alone, and right. then we'll refine together. Like right. I actually think the opposite's way better. Let's dump a bunch of terrible stuff down together, and then let's refine and edit when we have a glass of wine in front of us later. Yeah, that's the trick. And and what I know from working with a lot of authors and people that have counseled and mentored me as I've started to write more in my career is that's how everybody you respect writes. Every author you've ever been like, this person's awesome. What they do is they write a terrible first draft, Mm -hmm. fast and furious. And then they edit it later. And it's like, those Mm -hmm. are the two minds that we have. So I wish we could do that at work instead of feeling like, well, gosh, when I'm in front of my colleagues, I need to be so smart and I need to be so perfectly worded and I need to be so on the ball. It's like If we could flip that one switch in our meeting culture, I think- literally at like all things are possible like it would be a productivity boom
1: yeah and to that point in that community of practice meeting that I was where I was teaching IDM today one of the people who was learning it for the first time made the observation that if the proposer had like basically had more time to create a more perfect draft like would it have been better and I was Mm. like maybe but like it was good enough, and we got right. it all done here together. And she didn't have to spend twenty minutes before the call; she spent twenty seconds, and like it was good enough. So get yeah, into that yeah. mindset that like preparation does not always equal quality in the end.
0: And in fact, I think it's actually inverse. It sort of aligns with the you know the different spaces of of Kinevin. If you have something that is very interesting, very complex the likelihood that you'll get it perfect out of the gate and and bring it to the group ready to party is really low. And so mm-hmm. bringing something lower fidelity where you can incorporate more feedback more easily is better. If it's really simple and stupid, then yeah, it might be smart to like, iron out those couple sentences and bring it to the group for a, what is essentially going to be a rubber stamp approval, right? Sure. So So the idea that like, the more high stakes it is, the more interesting it is, the crappier your first draft should be. Yeah, It's very counterintuitive.
1: Make it drafty. And the other... So that sort of covers the like, how to collab, how to think differently about our time together in one area, which is a very generative area. The other place that I want to go here is really one of the biggest levers in self-management, in my personal humble opinion, which (laughs) is...
0: (laughs) Coming wondering.
1: to <laughs> which is coming to meetings and interactions with needs. And I find that getting teams into the articulation of needs, whether you're talking about things like tactical meetings, which is also holocratic, or you're talking about things like nonviolent communication, like it is very difficult in our society to nudge people into specifically articulating what it is they need in that moment. But again, particularly now where we all have different needs of support, of consent, of advice, and we're less able to infer a lot of that stuff because we're not in a room together, I think we really have to get clear in some of our meeting types about needs and get really varsity at expressing what we need and who we need it from.
0: This is where I've seen the concept of psych safety really come home to roost, Mm. which is when you have a a culture and, and a kind of, you know, set of colleagues who fundamentally just don't trust the system and each other with their vulnerability, then getting people to Give up that bad first draft, ask for the thing they need, be, you know, to your point, be clear, be explicit. Like all those things basically signify risk. Mm -hmm. That's all interpersonal risk. That's all that is. It's all just ways of like, ultimately, this might bite me in the ass because if I express a need that can't be met or that people don't want to meet, that'll hurt. If I get clear on something and then I fail or don't deliver or it doesn't happen, then that'll hurt. If, you know, so it all, I think, stems from that feeling of like, can I just be real? with my colleagues in the moment. And so often when I try to ask for people to bring needs to the table, I see this kind of like latency and this hesitation and I can just sense and smell that like, we're sitting on stuff that mm-hmm. we're just afraid to put into the public sphere. Yep. And so then you have to do the work of like, all right, well, now we got to go back and work on trust and we got to mm-hmm. make space safe and all that, which is really important work. But also to me feels really remedial where I'm like, ah, oh, I got to go back and replant the foundation before we can build. And so I think if you are, you know, a leader, if you're a manager, if you're a, a, someone with influence on your team, now is actually a really important moment to get super clear on How safe do we feel?
1: Yeah. And
0: how do we show up to these spaces? Because if you want to have a good meeting, you have to feel safe.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think the more safety there is, the more able we are to express needs that we might've traditionally thought were like out of bounds or unprofessional or whatever. Like there, you know, again, there's so much peacocking and ego that shows up when we get into any group, particularly meetings. But I'm finding with the people that I really trust uh, in my own working life right now, like there has been over the last couple of weeks, a number of times when like Ali or I has said to each other, like, I am out of steam today. Can you take this one? (laughs) And it's like, you know, we're, we're just drained in a different way because we're on video all day where we used to have a lot of in-person interaction and like plus the world and dot, dot, dot and all the things. And whereas, you know, Two months ago, I might have just pushed through and been like, she doesn't need to do that. I'll just take care of it. It's mine to take care of. Now I'm much more likely to say to her like, yeah, dude, I am Dunsky, And I'm going to like snap at someone if I show up to this thing right now. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I got it. And then she does the same thing the next day. Um, and I, I feel like the more safe we feel and the less scorekeeping we're doing in meetings, the more we can really properly take care of each other right now.
0: Yeah. And do the energy management that we need to do. Because you have to realize that walking around an office and being present and being with people in a real physical space has a different tax on you than sitting in front of a screen for eight hours a day. And we probably need to dedicate at least an hour of the eight hour workday to just like getting up and getting out and recovering and recuperating. And most people aren't able to do that or they're not doing that. So, you know, if not more, frankly, like it could be two hours a day to, to really be At peak performance when you are on. That's right. Because I think that's the trick is like, I'd rather have four hours of meetings a day that are just banging than eight terrible drag on kill me hours, you know,
1: that's right. And like what what's being revealed to me just through this conversation is, you know, what the tax for people that do what we do, or for our clients who are doing the work that we are doing in their own systems, the tax of like, In a meeting, for example, being the facilitator and trying to, like, hold the meeting structure, pay attention to the dynamics, steer people back into the structure that they're committed to being in, keep time, make sure all of the things get done, keep the mood, et cetera, et cetera. That is a lot harder to do on video. (laughs) six hours a day <laughs> than when you're in a meeting room with a group of people that you know and care about. And also it feels like if you have an off hour, like, this, I love you, we've got another one this afternoon. Right now, like the the tax of that is very, very high. And I also just recently read something about like part of the fatigue we're feeling around video meetings is the the dissonance that is subconscious that we're being tricked into thinking we're together, but we're actually not. And yeah, so like yeah. that is very tiring for us because we feel a physical presence, but it's not really there. And we're missing like 90% of what physical interaction actually is.
0: Some some part of our deep mind knows that that is not what's up.
1: Yeah, we are not and actually that's why, in a room.
0: that's why I feel and look like a bowl of spaghetti bolognese at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I'm just
0: like, oh my God, right. <laughs> like holding space all day, just too much. All day.
1: Much. Every day at yeah. eight PM, I'm like, it is bedtime, right? And Ed's like, it is late outside.
0: <laughs> it is late dinner in Barcelona. <laughs> they haven't started eating yet. Right?
1: Like, <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. And also, yes, let's go to bed. Um. So, so I feel like you know, getting clear on needs, having designated time in your meeting to build an agenda, just based on what everybody needs. And these do not all have to be like emotional needs. This is like. I need a new monitor. I need you to approve my expense. I need you to respond to that email. I need to take my kid to the doctor this afternoon. Like these are the needs. It's that all the flavors of needs can be met mm-hmm. in the same meeting as long as you've got the right group of people assembled. Um, so besides that sort of triage piece, what are some other practices that you think are very critical for us to be um, relying on in this moment?
0: I think it's the really, uh, Basic stuff. It's the it's the kind of hygiene stuff when we talk about um, doing check in, doing you know check out or closing rounds. When we talk about uh, generally speaking in rounds, especially in these virtual settings where it's really hard to tell who's about to talk and when and there's no body language and there's no kind of sense of the energy in the room. And there's one or two seconds of latency between Mm -hmm. parties. Like just being clear that like someone's going to hold space for each of us to talk when there's important stuff going on, I think is pretty important.
1: Two other pieces to add on to that. One is if you're not already using some kind of shared board to visualize your work, Uh, as like the prop for the meeting now would be Mm -hmm. a really good time to do that because it's very (laughs) hard to just do video where like we're we're looking at each other and then everyone's just like writing down the stuff in their own (laughs) notebooks and then where does that go right now so shared spaces in google or trello or notion or wherever you party um and the other thing is in terms of closing rounds Most of us don't actually know what the right answers are around meeting practices right now. So you can use a closing round to do a mini retro on the meeting and just rather than the usual sort of what did you notice or what did you learn, lean more heavily on what can we do better next time. And then experiment your way into better meetings week on week, understanding that your starting point is probably the meeting you had in the office. And that if we want to iterate that, we collectively have to pay attention to what we could change about it.
0: I like that a lot. And I think it's also worthwhile to pulse the group on a regular basis right now about the meeting culture and the meeting rhythm. So Mm -hmm. are we having too many meetings at the end of the week? Like how did this week feel? Did the balance feel right? Did it feel like it was focused on the right stuff? Figure out some way to just collect real-time feedback loops on that because you can and you should steer week to week. Because yeah. it is, you know, it's that it's that kind of world right now. So, go not not making the same mistake two weeks in a row is a really good goal right now.
1: Right, absolutely. So, besides some of those practices, what would be your like starter pack work from home or work remotely starter pack meeting kit? What do you What are you recommending?
0: I, you know, I don't know that it's that dissimilar from what we talked about when we had Dan Kim on the show, but I would say. Um, some kind of a weekly unblocking like we've talked about before of what do you need just kind of like triaging the needs of the group I, I want more jam sessions now I mm-hmm. think is the main thing I want more chances to collaborate with colleagues on different pieces of work so just having at least one of those a day would probably be good for my energy and my kind of you know morale and productivity and all that and then I think There has to be a space still, especially in this moment, for the kind of governance, the OS itself, the agreements, and probably Mm -hmm. on a a more frequent basis, but with a lighter lift. So, like, you know, an hour a week or a half an hour a week or an hour every other week where we just go and say, like, hey, the way we're working right now, what do we need to change about it to get through this? Mm -hmm. And maybe we're all feeling burned out or maybe we're all feeling aimless or maybe we're all feeling alone or whatever it is, like we can dial that in and just make quick agreements on the fly to experiment with different practices. So I think some kind of like light lift, governance-ish, you know, OS focus thing would be on that list. And then, you know, you can't, you can't make any list of popular meetings without a retro, right? So probably, you know, maybe not a weekly, but um, maybe monthly right now, maybe bi-monthly if you're in an industry that's changing really fast right now. Um, just to, you know, just to take that time together and say like, what the heck is happening and how do we make sense of it? And what does that mean for our priorities? And what does that mean for our activities? I mm-hmm. think it's worthwhile. So I may have missed something, but that's, those are like the four, you know, bedrock units of my week.
1: Yeah. I think if you want to build anything on that foundation, the couple that I would be thoughtful about are one, um, Ali and I have gotten a lot more disciplined about once a month doing backlog grooming and setting our own enabling constraints for the month. And we've found it really, really helpful. And, uh, we, when we set those enabling constraints, it's like just intended to help focus and prioritize our work because there's way more of it than we can do at our current project. And also, uh, they're enabling because we never get them all done, but it's just (laughs) something to aim for. And then we also, because we are really avid, like Kanbaners ourselves, our backlog just gets tremendous because all our great ideas go in there. But if you're neurotic like me, it also is very exhausting to look at a backlog of stuff that you're never going to do. So making sure there's time for backlog grooming, I think is good. I would also just say in terms of psych safety right now, using something like Spotify's Team Health Check is a really nice, lightweight way to just like not ask people to express and write their feelings, but just mm-hmm. like put a quick Post-it note up on how they're feeling <laughs> so that you really, it really is a health check, not like a examination. And right, um, right. and I think right now just to have an understanding of like where morale is at and how people are feeling Getting something like that into the flow would be valuable.
0: So, which of the things we just described is the ready not doing that we should start doing this week?
1: Who, as a, so okay, because on on a project team level, hard to say, but I'm doing all of them on a system level. It's very different than that. Okay, so right. we're only of those we're doing governance. Yeah. I think that's it.
0: <laughs> well, at a system level, we're definitely jamming because we've got projects. So there's people jamming on stuff. I know I'm jamming on stuff um, with with colleagues to make to make Sure,
1: them. in pockets. We're not jamming yeah. on anything as a collective.
0: No, no, no. But I don't know that we would recommend that e- anyway. I think, you know, when you're making stuff, smaller is better. Agreed. Uh, yeah, governance when we need it. We've sort of introduced this, like, you know, every other week scenario, planning, sense makey session that we're yeah. doing right now as just a way. Wh- it's almost strategy. As, yeah, it's kind of like, all right, well, what's changed? And what does that mean for us and doing yeah. that work? So that's, that's something that's happening. Um, but I like I, what I was going to say is I kind of like that health check idea, just like even the sanity check. I'd yeah. love to just know how people are doing. Um, I know Sam Sperlin on our team has started doing a Monday and a Friday, like what you doing pulse on Slack. So on Monday, it's like, what's the most important thing ahead for you this week? And on Friday, it's like, what'd you do this week? And people have just emergently started to play with that. Um, So that that has been very interesting too. So just a little window into like, A, we're not perfect. B, we don't always take our own advice. And C, we are cooking up stuff, you know, emergently as we need it and just leaning into that. So you can, you know, roll your own.
1: Right. And like any like anyone out there who's on a team who's not fully independent, the question is always altitude. So like the stack of meetings that we just discussed, probably closer to 100% of them are routine at a project level. So the that's question right. is just what makes sense at a systemic What's level? What's needed. Yeah, And like that's always going to be the question because you don't want to just <laughs> replicate the operating rhythm and make it exactly the same for every Group fractally, because that's not necessarily going to work for them. And, like, yeah. you know, I have questions about how really useful frequent retrospection would be for our system because of how little shared work we have actually that's right. right now. That's so, right. like, you know, when Aaron says roll your own, like, think about it in terms of the different scales at which you work.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think, you know, you can play too with the system team dynamic yeah and in fact many of the tools that we have help you do that so i was talking to the team today at the ready about how excited i was to run a breakout room session in zoom today with with a client of ours where we did a bunch of stuff together as a group of 45 people and then we did some stuff in groups of five to seven people and -hmm. we had both inside the same meeting wrapper same context same tool and it was like that really felt like best of both worlds
1: yeah that's hot. I'm very excited to try that practice.
0: <laughs> get to it. It felt very uh pa- it was it was sort of a facilitation superpower to yeah, be it like feels nice now we are all in groups. <laughs> now we are all back together.
1: And it also um, it's like cool. the part when you're a facilitator and you're like no really you guys, could you get could you get in the breakouts Though, but yeah. Also, guys, no, you're supposed to be on the couches. <laughs> break, break is over. Can just take yeah. your coffee now. You're just like you're in the room. Go to your Prick,
0: room. <laughs> done. Yeah, it was amazing. So much power. Some people didn't care for it, but I, I felt, I felt like it was, uh, it was worth the squeeze
1: oh, So good. All
0: right. Well, uh, another one in the bag. We've got uh, just a handful more of these left to do. I think four, three, four, five of these uh, left to do, and then we're out the other end. So thanks for being here with me.
1: It was lovely. Uh, If you are digging what you're hearing, please leave us a review or forward this on uh, to somebody who needs it. I'm finding a lot of utility in forwarding these episodes as conversations arise, and I'm like, rather than us talking about this, why don't you go listen to this podcast episode that we made (laughs) all about this? So, So yeah, do that for us
0: it's uh it's fun we've actually created a page online where you can listen to all the ready for anything episodes exclusively so like a little mini playlist so i will try to remember to drop that in the show notes uh so that anybody who wants to share that with a friend can do that as well Thank um, you. with that in mind yeah no no worries uh with that in mind a quick tip of the hat to taylor marvin for making us sound very gouda uh, brave new work is produced by the ready where we help organizations around the world change the way they work and you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at the ready.com. send us your guest ideas send us your topic ideas send us your questions your heckles your feedback and uh, as for you thanks so much for listening now go change something